Hello and welcome to Footbridge to Vietnam where we spotlight different areas of life, culture and work in one of the hottest and fastest growing parts of Southeast Asia. My name is Lee and today's episode, Talking to Teacher Hom, is the fourth episode in the Vietnamese language series, so stay tuned. Now, if you've stuck with us through this series, you'll know that this is the final episode of a series which focuses on the history, modern developments, and different aspects of studying the Vietnamese language. In the last episode, I talked to a number of Vietnamese learners, and today I talked to Hom, who is a Vietnamese teacher. She has a degree in Vietnamese linguistics and is now studying a second degree in English. She's taught for eight years at a school called Learn Vietnamese with Annie, where I've been studying for about a couple of years now. Now, if you haven't listened to the previous episodes, then you might want to check it out because they cover some interesting history and background to the topic we're talking about today. But if you're keen to jump straight in, then that's no worries too, and you can always check them out later if you're interested. So without further ado, on with the show. Homoi, thank you for coming on the show today. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, well, look, Hom, when you were young, what did you dream of being? Well, when I was young, I never thought that I would be a teacher, to be honest. <laughs> I actually once said that I would never be a teacher because really? my mom, well, she was a teacher. So I don't exactly want to follow her path. Mm. So when I take the Vietnamese linguistic in university, I actually wanted to be an editor. You mean like a, a, a newspaper editor? Um, no, a book editor. Ah, like 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 an editor for maybe like a publishing company or something. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> so when I was like twenty years old, I saw a post on our uh, department's group, and Annie posted that she need a part-time Vietnamese teacher. So I applied, and I took that job, and I have been teaching for like three years, and I know Annie since then. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you've actually known her for at least eight years, for the whole time that you've worked with yes. her as well. Wow, cool. And so, I mean, you just told us you didn't ever want to be a teacher. What changed your mind? When I taught, the student told me a lot of stories, and they actually changed my mind. For example, one of my students said that she can order in full Vietnamese to get her and her boyfriend coffees, and she told me that, and she felt proud, and I felt proud at that time as well. Then, after my graduation, Annie asked me if I want to work with her. Because she's starting a business, I told her that maybe I would just work for you for like a couple of months before I find a new job. <laughs> and it has been five years <laughs> since then. <laughs> so I guess I think it's lucky for me that I grew liking being a teacher. Mm. <laughs> Do you think that teaching is the career for you? Right now, I'm taking a second degree in a university because mm. when I teach, I realize, okay, this degree may help me with my teaching. Mm. So I actually give a lot of effort to my teaching. And surprisingly, I've never thought of quitting teaching. Mm. For someone who never thought of being a teacher first. What a cool story. And I guess it just goes to show that you can find your career passion sometimes where you least expect it. Now, going on to the school. So you teach at the school called Learn Vietnamese with Annie, and it's a southern Vietnamese-based school in terms of the type of Vietnamese that you teach. And there are a couple of centers in Saigon. Uh, so, like, what is it that makes the school unique in the way that it teaches students? What makes our school unique, I think, is probably because we teach the southern accent. A lot of people think that we should teach the standard one. So the standard one, as people usually think, it would probably the Hanoi accent. And this is interesting that different accents. So most people will know that there are like three main accents: so the northern accent, the central accent, and the southern accent. Now, is it really uh, that different? So my parents are actually from the north. Mm. I was born here and I was raised here, so I have the southern accent. And my parents. They have the northern accent, and one time when I 
went back to Hanoi, and I and my brother are talking, and we use our normal speech, our normal accent. And when we turn around, my cousins and my grandparents are looking at us, and they ask my parents, "What are they talking about?" But to foreigners who study Vietnamese, they will find that Hanoi accent is easier to learn because they make the tones really clear. So, so basically, there are quite significant differences in the accents. Even native speakers have difficulty understanding each other if they have a different accent, and that's why you guys focus on teaching the southern accent. Correct. Right. Okay. So, how does Learn Vietnamese Annie like teach its students? So the method that we use when we teach our student is the uh, communicative method. Basically, the method is uh, f- focused on listening and speaking, because to us, learning language is about communication. And when you live in a place, you need it to survive, and you need it to live there and to indulge in the probably. The culture there. Okay, so basically, the goal is to get people speaking as quickly as possible, and to sort of aim for very practical goals, right? Like being able to do things in their daily lives. Maybe it's buy things or or order food or or exactly. ask for directions, that kind of thing. Okay. Yes. Okay, so it's not just sort of learning in a classroom, but there's also like podcasts. So how does that fit into the learning as well? So by the podcast, we actually have to learn the beginner course first, because the podcast is not for beginners. The podcast they use a more natural and a more native speaker like way, like sentences and phrases that we actually will use in our daily life. That's how the podcast work, and the podcast help us to create a situation. A story that help you to remember those phrases and sentences. So to apply it to the classroom, we usually ask the student to listen to the podcast first, to the full lesson, to the grammar point, to every explanation. And what we do in class is we will practice speaking and listening. By using the phrases used in podcasts, and we applied it in several situations. We make the student use it not in just the situation in the podcast, but also in other situation as well. And we use Vietnamese in the classroom so that the student will have a chance to listen to an actual Vietnamese speaker in class, and they get used to the sound. They get used to how to use it. And the more they listen to the podcast, the more they remember the sentences and phrases. Mm-hmm. And, and the podcast episodes all follow a certain structure, right? So it's like it's actually two people. So it's Annie and then Jack, and they are the hosts of the podcast. And the actual podcast content is like a dialogue, isn't it? So it's a dialogue between two fictional people, and they'll. Speak the dialogue, right? So, so when you're listening, like you might not understand all of the dialogue, but then Annie and Jack later on go through and they'll talk about the dialogue, the different bits of grammar and vocabulary in it, so that you understand the the topic of the dialogue, and then afterwards you you hear through it again, and then and that's the same structure for every podcast episode. So it's like dialogue, discussion, and the dialogue once more. And it's only fifteen minutes long. I think fifteen twenty yes. minutes for per. It's yes. not that long, yes. um, each episode. And then they take that into the classroom with the teacher, and that's what they talk about, right? Right. That's correct. Right. So it sounds like, and I came to you guys after I'd learned a bit of Vietnamese before, so I didn't do the elementary stage. But the elementary stage is kind of like the beginner part, right? Like you've never learned any Vietnamese before. You got to do this part, and this part's before the podcast because you won't understand the podcast unless you get some basic stuff first. Yes. Right. So, what do you cover in the elementary stage, the pre-podcast stage? Now, in the beginner course, we have sixteen lesson, and in sixteen lesson, you will learn how to introduce yourself, how to order in、uh, a coffee, and you will learn how to talk about time and activities. So those are the main topics of the beginner course, and by learning some nouns, pronouns, some verbs, you will have the basic knowledge before you start with the elementary. Because in the elementary, we also have the topics about like ordering 
and time and activities as well, but they were elevated to the point that the native speaker will use it. In the beginner course, we make it simpler. We make it as simple as possible. We will omit the final particle and we will omit several filler words so that it will be easier for beginner student to study. But in elementary, to make it sound more natural, we have to add the final particles, the filler words, the idioms, and even phrases that we usually use in daily life. So if the student don't have the basic knowledge, then they will have a hard time following the elementary. So you cover some very basic areas in the beginner course before they go into the elementary stage, which is based on the podcast. Right. right. So, and then when you move on to the podcast afterwards, like there are hundreds of episodes on there, you know, at, at different levels as well. So there's elementary, intermediate, advanced, and each category has lots and lots of episodes. So how, how do you approach it? Do you just go from one to 20 or one to a hundred? How do you structure your studying of the podcasts afterwards? So with the way of learning podcasts in our classroom, we don't follow the set we follow by topics. So in the beginner course, as I mentioned, we study about how to order coffee. We study about time and activities. For example, for a student who just finished beginner course, we will let them study like three podcasts about ordering and maybe three podcasts about time and three podcasts about activities because those are the topics that they just learn in the inner course. And then, because the classroom size is pretty small, we usually just have like one to one or like a group of four people. So we will pick the topics based on our student preference. For example, I have a student who loves cats. So I will pick the podcast that have topics about animals and she's a teacher. So I'll pick more podcasts related to like human communication. And because we usually pick the podcast based on our student preference so that they will have certain topics that they can speak about. They have certain knowledge and it will encourage them to keep studying. Uh, so. I guess what what that means is like there's no set curriculum. You don't study like a lesson one to like except in the beginner stage where you need to cover some basics. After that, it's like you follow the the students like whatever int- topics they're interested in. It, it sounds like it's quite flexible then in that sense that that after you get past the beginner stage, everything else depends on the motivation of the student and the interests as well. That's correct because mm. like that is I think maybe that's the advantage of. A small size classroom because you know students when they come to us they have certain motivation to study maybe they just want to speak with their family and spouse so they may interested in the topics about love or family while other students they want to learn to communicate in their workplace so they were definitely interested in business or like office topic so that's why with the beginner course, we will cover several like key core topics so that it will help you to survive. And then after that, we will be more flexible when it comes to topic. Sometimes we can ask the student, okay, what do you want to study? Mm. So, I mean, what's the highest level student that you have ever had? My highest level of student is... Well, he's 76 years old. Wow. And he was a veteran, an American veteran. Hmm. He was in Vietnam for one year in 1969, and then he got back to study with me in 2015. Wow. And he studied for three years. And when he studied with me, his, his accent... His grammar and his vocabulary is so strange to me. Really? Yeah, so we study based on the podcast so that we will help him to adjust to now today Vietnamese. Mm. And after three years, he can talk about politics. 
He can talk wow. about you know during that time we have the American president election. Mm-hmm. We can talk about those topic. This is Trump and uh, <laughs> that's correct. Yeah, and um, he has several Vietnamese friends, and he can use he can use Vietnamese to communicate with them. He can write emails to them, and when he went to Vietnam in 2018, which was Two years ago, he traveled with his sons and his daughters, and he actually their tour guide. Wow! He can perfectly communicate with the native speakers yeah. here, and they understand him. And his son and his daughter was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> He's he probably in advanced level to me, mm. and he kind of quit. Two years ago, oh. after his trip to Vietnam, because his purpose is served. Yeah, he don't need. To, oh, so he, he came here. He <laughs> had his goal. He can now speak Vietnamese, and, and that's okay. That's it for him. Okay, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Okay, that, that's an amazing story. That's really cool. So the seventy-six-year-old war veteran can talk after three years right. of lessons online only. Online only. Online only with a podcast, and he went from like absolute beginner. Not exactly absolute beginner. I might say he in low elementary with pretty strange words order and not exactly now today words because he started Vietnamese in 1969. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, right. Okay, so he remembered some of the key bits, right? But it needed a lot more fixing and correction and right. and stuff. And how was his accent by the end? I'm just curious. Well, he still have a little bit foreigner in him. But his accent sounds like my grandpa, who's trying to speak wow. in certain accent. Huh. <laughs> yeah. So I I felt I felt quite proud when he told me that oh I am my sons and daughters tour guide and everyone understand me, and I don't need anyone to translate anything for me during this trip. So yeah, I feel really proud at that time. He was actually very hardworking. He studied two podcasts a week. Wow. Okay. Yes, and he memorized all the words. You know, if you consider his age, mm. if you consider his age, memorize all the words, all the vocabulary, and be able to learn two podcasts per week. It was actually really impressive. That's inspirational, um, right. and I think many people feel like age is a barrier to their learning any languages, not just Vietnamese. Right. Um, what, what do you What do you say to that? Like, if someone says, "Like, I'm, I'm probably too old now," what do you say to that? I don't know why, but in learn Vietnamese with any school, I have the most students that are not exactly young. Mm. Right now, I have four students. One person is around like 60 years old. Wow. One person is around 70 years old. Wow. And uh, one person is like 56 years old. His birthday was just last week. Oh wow. And one student who, well, to be honest, I don't remember his age, <laughs> but he looks. Pretty old okay. to me. He looks like right. my grandpa. He's no spring chicken. He is <laughs> a little baby. Okay. Right. So, um, let's talk about my 56 years old student. He is Australian. His wife is Vietnamese. His wife not exactly good at Vietnamese because <laughs> she moved to Australia at a pretty young age, but. When you listen to him, you will think that he is some southern grandpa talking to you. His really? accent is really good. Wow. He he sounds like a southern person. When I first spoke to him, I was so impressed, and he keep learning. At first, he was just about like low elementary, even though his accent really good, but. His grammar and his vocabulary and his way of expressing in sentences was just like in low elementary, and now we can talk about, for example, the newest encouragement from the Vietnamese government about like getting married wow. at thirty. <laughs> or we can talk about like how coronavirus will affect us or wow. affect his family. 
and he can talk about his master degree, his coaching master degree. So mm, yes, wow. So I would tell those students my student stories. Is I think is encourage them when they know that there's someone who's around their age can mm, make it. Mm, mm. Are any of these students originally Vietnamese? Like you know, Vietnamese heritage, may have Vietnamese parents, or, or are they? They are all foreign. Not. They're all completely foreigners. Okay, so yeah. just to be clear, the students, uh, 60s, 70s, 50s, they're, they're all completely foreigners. Okay, good. And then, um, so just make sure there's no excuse at all. But even with those students, do you find that there's any difference in the way, like maybe the challenges that they face compared to the younger students you might have who may be in their 20s or 30s? Yeah, so the most difficult thing that I have to face when I teach older student is that they don't exactly confident in their speaking and they don't exactly communicate with the uh, native speakers like the younger students. For example, the student who who is 56 years old is an exception because his wife is Vietnamese and her family who are also Vietnamese, they live in Australia. So he have somebody to speak with, but still he, he, he doesn't feel confident when he has to speak to his wife's family or like my other three students who live in Vietnam. One person also have a wife who is Vietnamese, uh, except for the family. They don't have friends that are Vietnamese. So basically, except me, <laughs> they don't speak Vietnamese with any other pr- people. Mm, why is that? Because, well, first reason that one of my students told me that the younger native speaker, they don't exactly like to speak to her. And the older native speakers, they speak in a pretty strange way because they don't know how to adjust their speed or how to adjust their vocabulary when mm. they speak to a foreigners. Yeah. So it's hard for them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then I guess if they're talking to like someone who's already a bit less confident with speaking with a native speaker, then it just becomes really, really difficult. Right. Mm, okay. Okay. But but of course, once they get better, I'm I'm assuming that now they're they're very good, as you say. They've even got southern grandpa accents. They their confidence is pretty good now. I I'm guessing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so the student who has like the southern grandpa accent, he lives in Australia. He can speak with his wife, but still he has little confidence when he has to speak with his wife's family. Because they, well, they use our speed. They use our native speaker's speed, which was pretty hard for any language learners who try to study Vietnamese. I think the way that we don't adjust our speed is also a big difficulty for any Vietnamese learners live in Vietnam as well. Look, I mean, Hom, to be honest, you know, this is something that foreigners who come to Vietnam and try to learn Vietnamese, we complain about endlessly and it makes us sound really entitled and it sound makes us sound like lazy or something but the fact that you know you are laughing about it and the fact that Annie in fact has done a video on this makes me feel like this is actually a genuine challenge so just to sidetrack a little bit because we'll come back to the to learn Vietnamese for a bit but can you tell us a bit about like what, what what's going on why is it that when you speak to Vietnamese people so few of them seem to slow down or just use simpler language when they're talking to a foreigner who is learning the language? I think that the Vietnamese people, they don't exactly get used to the idea that they are foreigners trying to learn Vietnamese. It would be about they trying to learn English to communicate with the foreigners coming here, not vice versa. So that's why when... For example, one of my students, who is also really good at Vietnamese, but then when he tried to speak with a Vietnamese friend, they just like blah, blah, blah. And when the speed is too fast and he asked them to slow down, they changed the sentences into some strange thing. And then they keep the speed. So I think that in their mind, 
the foreigners may not want to study Vietnamese or in their mind, they think that they have to speak English to foreigners. That makes them not well prepared when someone speaks Vietnamese to them. Like, for example, you speak Vietnamese to me and I was like, okay, what are you talking about? What kind of language are you talking about? Are you trying to talk like English with me or something? I'm not well prepared for that. So therefore, I don't even try to listen to your Vietnamese. I think that's the biggest challenge. A lot of my students feel so annoyed when they try to speak Vietnamese to Vietnamese people and they answer in English. Mm. Or when they speak Vietnamese to native speaker and they said, oh, your pronunciation is not accurate. It's not the standard one, for example. Like, Z, which is the standard one in their mind. While in the South, we said, so that's kind of tiring to them when it keeps happening. I, I mean, look, I can definitely relate. My story was when I was trying to order some McDonald's in an airport and I, I got through maybe 80% of the order and then the last thing she said was too fast and I couldn't understand. And then I, I just said, could you say that again? And then she did it again, but same speed and I, I was clearly struggling and I said, look, I'm sorry, I don't understand. Can you, can you say it one more time? And then she just switched to English and said, do you want anything else? <laughs> and, and that was the point when I just felt crushed. I felt, come on, I had almost, almost there. And then like three words is all she really needed to say. And yeah, so I can definitely relate to that. And so I, it is, it is a difficult thing. It, it, is, it does affect your confidence as a Vietnamese language learner that so many people find it difficult to adjust for foreigners trying to learn. What would you say to someone who has had that experience or is having that experience now? Well... A tip to do that with that situation, well, it's pretty hard as well. Like when my students shared those stories with me, I was like, okay, I will teach you the phrase to say, please speak slowly. <laughs> I give them the phrase and then I told them if they keep speaking English, you can just tell them that, oh, I'm trying to study Vietnamese right here. So please help me. I give them that phrase as well. <laughs> It's frustrated for us as Vietnamese teacher as well when we we have several homework like interview your friends, interview your colleagues in Vietnamese, ask them some basic information and they keep answer in either English or what they think is standard Vietnamese. So the standard Vietnamese to them is the is the northern accent, but the fact is that those students they live in the south. Come on, man. So they need to try to communicate in the southern accent because they're living here. So I think those mindsets. It's a mindset thing. Yeah, isn't it's it? a mindset from the from the native speakers, from the Vietnamese people. It's not exactly helping. And and I guess I just want to clarify this point because you said like there is a you know the the, the standard accent that people think is the Hanoi accent right now is there a standard in Vietnamese to be honest I don't think so like for example in the north people would think that Hanoi accent is the like the standard accent is it a standard accent in the south no I don't think so in the south we have Saigon accent and we have the Mekong Delta accent or like in the central of Vietnam. What is the standard accent of central Vietnam? So one of the things that I like about the Vietnamese accent is that we don't exactly have that standard accent. Like It's not like when you study Chinese, you have to learn the, I don't know, Beijing? Putonghua. Yeah. Ah, yeah. That, that Putonghua is like the standard correct. It's like BBC English. Oh. Yeah. What's the official position in Vietnamese? Does the government say that there's a... The government never say that. They they don't have the official accent. Right, so there's no official government accent. Right. Oh. Right. So, for example, if you watch the VTV channel, we have several, like, government meeting that was live, 
And you will hear the government, they will say in Northern accent, they will say in Southern accent, they will say in Central accent. So there is a diversity in our accents. There is not like an official standard accent in Vietnamese. So my suggestion is that you should learn the accent of the place that you're about to live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, definitely will help you get around much easier. Okay, so that's really interesting. I definitely came to Vietnam thinking there was an official accent, but it's interesting to know that there's there's not. So I want to go back to studying at the Learn Vietnamese with Annie. So now you guys also do like online and offline classes. Is there any difference in terms of like learning quality? I guess obviously for your students who study overseas, right? The foreigners who are like right. in Australia or America, they'll need to do online. But if you're, is there any reason why a person who is in Ho Chi Minh City might still choose to study online? Oh, I have a student who was studying online right now. He at first he studied in an office, but then after the you know, corona lockdown thing, and he tried online class, and he thought, okay, I can do online as well, because he has two children at home. It's not exactly comfortable for him to travel from Tengben District to District 3 every day. <laughs> so online classes, in this case, are definitely more comfortable than the in-classroom. Yes. Classes, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's mainly like a convenience factor. Right. But there are some students I know that cannot take online classes because they think that the online class is kind of not helping them or they are not suitable to the online classes. Um, During the coronavirus lockdown, I have several students would like to switch from offline classes to online classes. But there are also some students prefer to take a break during the lockdown because they don't want to take the online classes. I can understand them. Some people are more comfortable with this way of learning and some are not. So, okay, besides online, offline, some people might be wondering about like group classes. So they might be deciding, do I study with two people, three people, or is it just one person? Well, the benefit of group classes, well... First of all, they, you don't have to pay that much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the financial advantage yeah. of the group class. And you have a chance to communicate with like your classmates, not just like with your teacher. You can like encourage each other when we study. And the risk is that, well, the risk is also your classmate. If one of them fall back or if you are a fast learner of the class, then you may feel like, okay, why I'm here? Why everyone is so good? Or if you're a fast learner, you would be like, okay, why am I here again? Why everyone is so slow? So that's the risk that you must take in a group class. But overall, I think that group class, well, if you want to communicate with more people, then group class is for you. But if you want to focus, like if you have a um, short-term or long-term purpose of like just study by yourself is good, then, well, one-on-one class is for you. I, I definitely think that this, the social aspect is quite important for some people when they have a friend who can support them and they do it together, then that can help them uh, stay motivated. I found it also when I, I did group classes for a while and when studying with another student forced me to listen to a different accent and that was actually really good. I found that really challenging, but it was good for my listening. But yeah, I guess the risk is when someone, either you or someone else falls behind then it can feel like a drag um, on your progress a bit. And also there's a risk as well. I think that I took Korean classes a long time ago and when I started like into low intermediate level we don't have enough students for the class so we have to cancel the class so the same things go with vietnamese group class you don't have enough students that are in the same level with you or that have the same study speed or same schedule scheduling is really hard so that's when maybe you have to consider about learning by yourself, study like one-on-one class. Fair enough. Okay. 
All right. So I guess there's a, a few different things to think about. And I mean, I guess you can always try one and then and then try the other if it, if, to see whatever whatever works. Okay. And now I just want to learn about, just a bit more about like the studying of Vietnamese. So f- first things first, is Vietnamese difficult? What do you think? Yes or no? Yes. <laughs> it is. Okay, cool. It is hard. Um, if I remember correctly, Vietnamese is in the top 20 most difficult language to study to Ooh, English speaker. Okay, cool. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, so I remember it's in the top 20. I'm not sure about the position of it, but still, it's hard. Mm. Definitely, it is hard. Mm. Well, when you want to study Vietnamese, I think that you should have a purpose or a motivation to to keep learning like if you just study it for fun well that's that's fine study another language is always good but if you want to keep continuing then you should have a motivation like well most of my students have their motivation is that their spouse are Vietnamese or they have like if they are Vietnamese heritage then their families are Vietnamese or if they live in Vietnam, then their friends, their colleagues are Vietnamese. So they have a certain purpose. So to study Vietnamese, well, it is hard. But if you have purpose, if you have like motivation, it will definitely have you go through. And then maybe you find it easier than other language. After all, it's just in top 20. Mm. It's not in top five. <laughs> I'm pretty okay. sure about this. It's not in top five. All right. So, <laughs> so you have five more difficult. Pretty hard, but not the hardest. So, right. Yeah, okay. All right. That's, that should be encouraging to, uh, to the <laughs> listeners. Um, but okay. So I think having a goal is very important for motivation because you've got to stay committed for a long time to learn it. Um, it's not as easy as a lot of other languages for English speakers. So wh- why is it hard? What's the most difficult thing for learners? To English speaker, the Vietnamese is hard because it has tones. So tones so different with intonation. It is a part of the words. It helps us to give the words meaning, like different tones, different meanings. So the tones absolutely the one of the hardest things. And then the vocabulary. We have a lot of words that have the same meaning. And if that word stand in a different positions, then it have different meanings. So it will be hard if you have to memorize a lot of vocabulary. And the way we speak is also not exactly that structural as well. We don't have the subject plus verb plus object to create a sentence well we have subject and verb but the position may be different so the way we speak and the structure that you study is different so that would be one of the harder part when you study with just like textbook and not communicative and the third one is the way you communicate with the native speakers is definitely harder like well we should talk about this so yeah, if you can communicate with the native speakers, then you have better motivations. You are encouraged to keep continue, but then you have to face the difficulties. <laughs> I think that what one of the challenges that kind of captures what you're saying is that what you learn in the book is not exactly what you hear outside, not what you use outside. So, of course, like I know every language we have that in in English, no one was going to learn, I want to go to the shopping mall. They will say, I want to go. And the first time you hear it, you know, it's like, what, what are they saying? In Vietnamese, it's, it's, you've got that, but you also like, it goes into like word order or just completely different expressions. You know, you won't, You'll never hear people say toy or ban, which is right. like I and you, right? The textbook classic right. um, thing. They'll say everything else, any other pronoun for brother, sister, aunt, uncle, whatever, but never toy and ban. So that's kind of like, even though it's the first thing you learn, it's not actually what people use at all. Right. That trait that you just talk about. So that is one of the main reasons that Annie started her podcast to help Vietnamese learner get used to the way we speak, get used to the structure in our daily speaking. Like the way we use the word, the structure that we use when we speak, and the speed when we speak as well. Mm-hmm. So it will help the learners to like 
actually communicate. Because if you just study by textbook, I have several students that study textbook because before coming to us, and they really have a hard time of expressing themselves. It's discour discouraged them. Uh, and is that because like people don't use what they learned, or he or she doesn't understand what other people are saying? People may understand what they are talking about, but they will not understand people speaking. They will not understand like the slangs that we use. So to textbook learners, I think that communicating will be a challenge to them. Okay, so then. If I'm like a person who's just thinking about learning Vietnamese, maybe for the first time, or um, maybe I am already learning it and it's just really hard, what kind of advice, what kind of encouragement would you give to a student in that position? Yeah, so I may say that one of my students, she said that she lives in a house that have three Vietnamese. She said that she tried to find a house that have no foreigners. She's only foreigner in that house, so that she was forced to speak Vietnamese. The other girls in the house they cannot speak English all the time, so they have to speak Vietnamese to her. That's amazing. Yes, I think I I understand why she do it because like it's the same way with me learning Korean. I studied Korean for like three years. But I can hardly communicate. So when I traveled to Korea last year, I picked the biggest city, Seoul, and then I, I spent two days in a smaller town. Like there are no English instructions at the MRT, and in the convenience store, the employees cannot speak English as well. I forced myself into that situation so that I can speak. Korean, so I think if you forced yourself into the situation where you have no choice but to speak Vietnamese, then well, maybe you get a better result than you think. I like what you said about talking to just everyday people and really simple stuff, because it's it's about finding little moments where right. you can kind of connect or interact with someone, even in a really small way. In a really basic way, and if you can just do that, and then do that a few more times right. in a day, or even in a week, or in a month, then that will slowly build up your confidence. You know, they say confidence <laughs> is the memory of success. You know, so remembering that even small, lots of small interactions like that, and really simple stuff, will, yes. will really help. Or like to our student who live abroad, I suggest them to go to the Vietnamese area. Because in the Vietnamese area, a lot of Vietnamese they don't want to speak English; they just speak Vietnamese in that area. So you can go to that area. Maybe have your hair cut, maybe have your fur, your fur, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> have your fur, or maybe have your nails done, and you can try speaking with them. Yeah, that's fantastic. And depending on where you are, there are huge Vietnamese communities around the world. Australia and America are the two big ones, I right. I believe. But yeah. Even uh, in a place as far away as New Zealand, there are Vietnamese people, Vietnamese restaurants and stuff. To,、right. um, or they could sign up for Skype lessons with、uh, with you guys, right? And <laughs> That's <laughs> that right. Would work. <laughs> That's right. They will have Skype lesson every week. They were forced to speak, to speak Vietnamese for like one or two hours every week. <laughs> Fantastic. That'll do it. <laughs> okay. So, but here's I guess here's another question: If someone comes to Vietnam. Is it really necessary to learn Vietnamese? Well, I know several people who live in Vietnam for five or eight years, and they don't know a single Vietnamese words. To be honest, it would be a waste. Like you live in that country for like several years, is the best place for you to learn the language from that. Country like you have a chance to communicate with the native speaker so that you will have maybe a perfect accent, or like you have all the materials there. So why not? I think that's a, a absolutely fair point to say. In a place like Saigon and Hanoi, actually,、yes. and Da Nang, you will be able to survive easily without Vietnamese. But I think when you learn the language, you pick up lots of culture that would be hard to understand without it. 
The example that sticks in my head is the way people refer to each other as anchi or am, so older brother, older sister, or younger brother, sister. And by understanding how people address each other, you kind of understand how a lot of Vietnamese society is structured and how, how what's really important in relationships is, is knowing how old you are compared to somebody else. But if you don't study the language, like someone can tell you and you might understand it in your head, but you won't really understand it really deeply until you have to study the language and force to use it. That's right. And I actually think that when you live in the country and you don't know the language of it, you have certain barriers like between you and the people who live here. And you also build yourself a barrier as well. Like you just live in your old comfort zone and you refuse to step out, like to see the roundabouts of the place or like to understand the culture, like you live there. So if you have little knowledge of that place, that would be good. After all, living in a place, I think it's just like a long-term traveling. Like, it's a chance for you to know new things, to see new things, to meet new people. So why not? <laughs> I, I, I agree with that. What's the easiest way that they can try a little bit of, of Vietnamese? See what it's like to learn. Well, I think that you can use the YouTube videos. It's free. It's online. You can basically watch everywhere like when you go to the gym or like when you're cooking everywhere yeah, yeah. so that's the learn vietnamese with any youtube channel right right mm. or like you can subscribe to some podcast there is yes this is the online <laughs> podcast right. subscription so you can actually just subscribe to the podcast and just listen to them yourself if you really right. want to yeah right. and that's on the the learn vietnamese with any website right, right? yeah they have the discussion so mm-hmm. you learn from that as yeah well. right and it's very inexpensive isn't it just to to buy the subscription. So. Right. Okay. And so, and this is the last question I, I want to uh, ask a bit about. It's it's actually about being a Vietnamese teacher. So like, um, you know, you've, you've done it for about eight years. You're a particularly interesting case because you didn't want to be a teacher and now you've done it for eight years and you've really found a passion in it. What kind of people do you think should really consider being a teacher? All right, so being a teacher. Wow, that is a hard question for me. (laughs) Well, especially when you consider that I don't have the passion of becoming a teacher as first. I think that when you like to communicate with people, when you want to help them to achieve something, and especially when you are passionate about the language. In my case, I actually learned Vietnamese linguistics in university. So I love Vietnamese language. Like, I'm in love with phonetics, mm. if, if you ask me. <laughs> You're a phonology nerd. A very... Right. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just talk about people who want to become the Vietnamese teacher. Like, if you want to help foreigners, or if you want to help maybe your foreigner friends to understand, to be able to speak Vietnamese, then, well, you can consider being a teacher. You can become a part-time teacher to try for three years <laughs> <laughs> and then stick with it for like another the five, next years, five years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but if you just consider like teaching is just like a short-term thing, then you really have to be careful. I, I mean, I don't like teaching at first, but in my class, I try to be as energetic as I could be. Well, in my class, I have another person. And I try to let my students feel like they can learn something after my class. So that is the attitude that I I use when I'm in class. So if you really consider about teaching Vietnamese, then I think you should be serious about it. Mm. And, and it sounds like the relationships you make with the students as well are quite important. Yes, so I think that creating an atmosphere that makes your student want to study, that is very important to me. I had a teacher in my English class 10 years ago. I always looking forward to her class. So I want my class to be like that. So I try to be as energetic, I try to be happy. I create a happy, bright, extra persona when I'm in class. 
And I think that my students, when they feel like they're welcome in class, and when they're welcome to make mistake, they're welcome to speak with flaws, and they're welcome to be corrected, then, well, I think that's create a good relationship between the teachers and the students. And that was my interview with Teacher Hum. So thank you for listening to the fourth episode of Footbridge to Vietnam. I hope you liked it. And if you have any questions or feedback, please check out our Facebook page and leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you. As you know, this is the last episode of the series. So if you haven't listened to the early episodes, they do connect up. So be sure to check them out. Now, if you've listened to the rest of the episodes in the series, you'll be able to tell that I am a pretty big fan of the Vietnamese language. And I'll tell anyone that getting to grips with it, especially if you live here or are planning to visit, is worth it. So today, I'm going to shout out to the school that Hom teaches at and where I study. It's called Learn Vietnamese with Annie. That's A-N-N-I-E. I get no kickback from the shout out at all. I just want to tell people about it because I've studied Vietnamese there now for two and a half years and it's been an absolute blast. They make language learning fun and they have a flexible learning system that can fit to whatever interests you have. And they'll do online classes too if that's more convenient for you or for anyone living overseas. Now I've met Annie a few times now and she's just like she is on her YouTube channel as in real life. And she also has a website that you can check out at learnvietnamesewithannie.com. And if you want to give Vietnamese a crack, just take a look at some of her YouTube videos or subscribe to her podcast lessons that will take you through Vietnamese one bit at a time. It's well worth checking out. And I've left links on the Facebook page and in the episode's show notes too. And that's it. Thanks for listening through the series. Doing the research for it has been a real kick and I'm getting stuck into the next series now. I won't give away the topic, but I am excited to bring it to you. So until next time, catch you later.